truth. Jeremy from Kentucky on Republic Broadcasting Network. Please go to republicbroadcasting.org. Smash that donate button. Send the much-needed fundage to keep free speech alive for your children and grandchildren. We need it now more than ever. This is your Tuesday night broadcast, the Patrick and Jeremy Show. I'd like to bring on my trusty co-host, Patrick Slattery, Dr. Slattery. Aloha and konnichiwa. What? Is somebody talking to me? Yep. Oh. Aloha, Patrick. Okay, okay. And you got Mike? You got Mike there? I'm yep. here. Okay. Well, I showed up with my posse. I got I got about ten thousand cicadas with me because that's how I rolled. I hope you're okay with that, Mike. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with that. Oh. Hey, he says he's perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. Well, thank you for thank you for having me on your show again, Jeremy. Yeah, and uh, we're glad to have uh, Mike Rivero from uh, WhatReallyHappened.com. Mike, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So uh, we just wanted to sort of open up uh, a little dialogue and interview you and get to know you and let our audience get to know you. I know everyone knows who you are. Uh, host on RBN, but uh, I don't know a lot of stuff about you. I wanted maybe if you could go into your background, um, especially your your days in Hollywood, and sort of what led you to um, becoming an activist in truth radio. Did you before, have something, Patrick? Yeah, yeah. Before that, uh, in in all seriousness, um, I mean, Mike's been I I don't know how long he's been on the network. A lot longer than I have. Uh, he does the news summary. And I've I've done news digests in the past, and that's that's real work, you yes. know. Like, what, yeah, it is. It's real work. I, and when I did it, I made a good living out of it. But um, I don't do it because it's a lot of work. And I, you know, I really appreciate what you've done. And about a month ago, when you took you took a week off or so earlier in the summer, and I told my audience, you can't expect this high quality from me on a week when Mike Rivera's off, because I'm just, I'm not going to be as well informed. And, you know, I'm, 
serious about that. And you, what you do is is really tough work. I know you're going to continue doing it on uh, um, your website, and yes. so I'll have to I'll have to get used to looking at your website. But I've I have over the past certainly since the uh, fake election, but but before that, I've listened to the vast majority of your shows, at least the first hour. And it, and it really is an excellent show. And I, I refer to it often when I'm on my show. So my audience knows I, I'm being sincere. So I, I just want to say that people will really miss you. Uh, I know you're going to continue to do a lot of the work anyway, and, and we'll try to make use of uh, your work, continue to make use of it. But uh, your show will be really missed. Well, I know, and it was a very, very tough decision to make, but, uh, you know, as I told my audience yesterday, uh, in another month, I'll be turning 71. Uh, I've been doing the website for 30 years. I've been doing talk radio for 16 years, and uh, I really wanted to get back to the website because that was kind of the foundation for my being a truth activist, and everything else that happened, you know, History Channel stuff, the radio shows and everything, came out of that. And uh, I, I, I really want to go back to doing original content like All Wars or Bankers Wars, uh, which I have not been able to do because of the uh, time demands of doing a News Digest show. So it was a tough call to make, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just changing course in my life here. Okay. All right, Jeremy. Well, you can start the uh, interview you had planned. Yeah, no, that's you. You started to get into it a little bit, Mike. Your your time, um, you were in Hollywood. Maybe you could sort of go over that briefly and kind of what led you to be a truth activist. Well, um, uh, actually, originally I was interested in uh, space sciences. I won a science fair in high school that brought me to the attention of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and uh, I got hired by NASA basically right out of high school. And I worked on Viking. That that Viking was kind of the the, the pinnacle of my experience at NASA. And what, I worked on. What did you do, if you don't mind me interrupting? What did you do on the Viking project? That was sending a, a uh, robot mission to Mars, correct? Uh, it was two landers. They were not rovers. They were landers. They were the first Dead successful robot. landers on Mars. And mm. I was part of the flight control team. Uh, really? I was part of. Lift, which stood for the Lander Imaging Flight Team, and my own particular uh, niche was called FAVLIP, the First Order Viking Lander Image Processing, which means when the images came in from the spacecraft, uh, they had lots of static and data corruption, and my job was to kind of clean them up and uh, recover data that had been erroneously sent to other sections uh, of, of the project, like sometimes our images wound up in meteorology and so forth and so on. So that was a lot of work. But basically, mm -hmm. when the images came in from Mars, I was one of the first people to see them. And it was a very exciting time, you know, uh, watching the sun rise on another planet. I mean, you have to understand, I was born at a time where the only man-made objects that had reached out of the atmosphere were the V-2 missiles on the way from Germany to Russia. And all of space exploration, Sputnik, um, uh, the uh, Soy, uh, 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 Vostok, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, all happened during my lifetime. And then to wind up actually being part of the space program was a tremendous thrill. And uh, I probably would have stayed there, but as you know, following the Apollo program, the NASA budget was severely cut back in order to continue to pay for the war in Vietnam. And uh, 
eventually they got around to me and I was let go. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd had a brief brush with show business when I was a kid. Um, I actually did a couple of like commercials and stuff, you know, for like high crest products and, you know, so forth. And somebody who knew about my strange dual background of having been a little bit in showbiz, uh, plus, you know, I was also a magician at the time, uh, and knowing all about computers and stuff, uh, referred me over to this little uh, cinder block building in Van Nuys called Industrial Light and Magic. And I walked in there and I said, oh, these guys. And uh, it was at the point where they were splitting in two, and Industrial Light and Magic, as we know it today, moved to Northern California, and the original facility in Van Nuys was renamed as Apogee. It was run by John Dykstra, and uh, I stayed with them for a lot of years, and I, I, I uh, worked on um, Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, Firefox, um, Avalanche Express, a bunch of stuff like that. And then eventually uh, I left them, and I started getting into other uh, uh, projects, and I wound up at a place called Robert Abel and Associates, and I was there for a lot of years, and uh, did a lot of work. I won a lot of uh, awards, Clio awards, things like that, and, and then uh, they unfortunately went out of business, and uh, you know I started bouncing around, and uh, that led to about 1993, and I was uh, basically freelancing around town, and I'd been hired by a company called. Well, I'm not going to name the company. They may still be in business, um, but they shared the same building as CNN's Hollywood branch. And this was when Vince Foster had been found dead in Fort Marcy Park. And I really didn't pay much attention to it. You know, a dead lawyer. Okay, good start. Um, but then they put out this ridiculous. That's Washington, D.C.? Yeah, Washington, well, uh, the park was actually in Virginia. But uh, Vince Foster had been the deputy White House counsel under Bill Clinton. And, um, uh, you know, he was found dead in Fort Marcy Park. Uh, but then they put out this picture to, quote-unquote, prove that he committed suicide. And it was a picture of his arm and hand and the gun uh, that he was found with. Now, working in visual effects, it's my business to know what looks real and what does not look real. And in the course of my work, I've developed a habit. When I think I'm done with a shot, I look at it and I say, what should be there but isn't. And it's kind of a final quality check on what I'm doing. And I looked at this picture, and the instant I looked at it, I said, this is a staged shot, because suicide by gunshot to the mouth is a very, very messy affair, and there was no blood anywhere in the scene. You know, his, his uh, white shirt sleeve was completely clean, and I said, there is a problem with this. And uh, I was talking about this with some of my coworkers at this little outdoor cafe that we all shared, and I remember... The, uh, these guys from CNN listening to me very, very closely. And that night, um, I started getting threatening phone calls. The very next day, the owner of the company I was working for let me go in the middle of this commercial that I was directing. And I was doing a good job, okay? And he just said, I just have to let you go. And uh, it was clear that he was not happy about it. And uh, at that moment, I was blacklisted out of Hollywood. And since I suddenly had a lot of free time on my hand, I started digging into the Foster case even more and more. 
and I discovered that uh, Vince Foster's uh, own personal firearm that he inherited from his father was nickel-plated, but the gun in the photo was dark-blued steel. So it was not Vince Foster's gun. And, of course, there were no fingerprints on the gun, and obviously Vince Foster would not have been able to wipe it off after he'd used it. And uh, so uh, I, I dedicated a page at my... Uh, my website, which was at that point promoting my career as an animator, visual effects expert. And I said, there's something strange going on here. And that kind of grew and grew until I spun it off into its own page. Meanwhile, hey, in response... I, I, just yeah. uh, before you get into your own page, so, so what is the story? Who killed Vince Foster and why? Okay, well, I think the issue came down to the Presidential Blind Trust, now, by law, when somebody's elected president, they have to transfer all of their assets into a blind trust. So they don't know where their money is invested. So they will not be influenced by their own personal wealth uh, in making presidential decisions, which I think is a good idea. And I think it should apply to all members of Congress as well. Uh, but there are indications that the Clinton blind trust was fraudulent. In fact, during the uh, uh, Whitewater uh, hearings. Uh, a member of the White House staff had testified that there was a filing cabinet in the residence in the White House filled with financial documents. Now, Vince Foster had filled out the documents on the blind trust, and so he would have known that it was fraudulent. And being the lawyer who filled them out and signed them, had the fraud been uncovered, he would have gone to jail. And I think he was planning to resign. Uh, in fact, he had a, a scheduled appointment with uh, Bill Clinton the day after uh, his death. And uh, I think he was basically uh, killed to keep the secret of, of the fact that the presidential blind trust was, in fact, a fraud. And, uh, you know, the blind trust documents were filled out by somebody else, quite probably Hillary Clinton, because her fingerprints were on the paper. And um, uh, that was the motivation for his murder. And uh, at least that's where the evidence seems to go. And the FBI then, as now, was covering up for the occupants of the Oval Office. And uh, so anyway, uh, Claire and I decided we didn't really have a future in Southern California. And uh, we moved up to Washington State, uh, kind of figuring that we, we were just going to get away from all this political nonsense. And we were there for a while until I got a call from a production company located in Hawaii that was making a movie called Final Fantasy. And the production company was owned by Japanese who didn't really care that the White House hated my guts. And so we moved out to Hawaii. We worked on the movie. It's one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, the, the CGI was great. <laughs> the script was terrible. In fact, they went through six screenwriters on this. Thing. They even gave me a shot at writing part of the movie. I mean, that's how desperate they were. And uh, so then uh, that that ended, and I went to work uh, for a couple of companies around town. We started our own production company doing TV and radio commercials. Uh, then I got hired as the visual effects producer on the TV what? series Lost. Hey, uh, hey, can, I ask, shows. can I ask, what part of Hawaii did you live in? We lived on Oahu. Where, where in Oahu? Well, originally Kaneohe over on the uh, windward side. Uh, then we wound up in Aiea up on the hills overlooking Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kaneohe. Did you go to the windward shopping center? Oh, all the time, yeah. Okay. 
there's a uh, what is there a first Hawaiian bank there or something? I remember. Oh, and Zippy's. Did you ever eat at Zippy's? Uh, we ate at Zippy's all the time. We had an account at the first Hawaiian bank, and you know it's a small island. Everybody knows everybody, and you know. And when we first moved there, it was a lovely place, and people were friendly and helpful. And then as the, the place got more liberal, things got out of hand. In fact, when we left Hawaii, uh, we had drug dealing in both our neighboring units on both sides. Uh, they were selling out of one. The, uh, the other one was manufacturing and selling. And uh, I was concerned that we were going to get a meth lab uh, explosion at some point. So... Uh, you know, we got out of there, and it just wasn't the lovely place that we had known when we first moved there. We were there for about, I think, 17 years. Mm. Hey, Jeremy, is it okay if I uh, – I, I want to go back to the Viking project for a second. Okay. I, yeah, uh, I just want to throw this uh, in there. Patrick, you and uh, Mike, you're about 10 years apart, I think, so you are more contemporary than I. The first recollection I have of NASA, I watched the Space Shuttle Challenger in 1986. I was 10. And uh, uh, we watched the board. And I even uh, had I a, knew somebody on the Challenger, um, and uh, uh, I'd worked with her just three months before at the Manned Spacecraft Center as part of Robert Abel's uh, operation. They started as a computer animation company, then they spun off a division marketing the software that they had developed. And uh, so I was down in Houston uh, helping them. Uh, develop more accurate realistic simulations and i got to meet and work with judy resnick and mm. uh, i was actually in italy when challenger exploded i, I was uh, again installing the able software uh at uh, a company called uh, futura films and um, i got back to my hotel room and turned on the tv and there was the challenger sitting on the launch pad and my Italian really wasn't very good. I was trying to learn it to be, you know, uh, uh, an appropriate guest. Uh, but the news announcer was just going very fast, and it was clear he was upset about something. And then Challenger took off. And uh, I saw it the way the people at the Cape saw it. I had no idea what was coming. It just bang. And I, I, I was just in shock. And I actually made a call all the way back to one of my friends at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and said, they're here in Europe, they're saying the shuttle blew up. And they say, yes, it, it did, and they're all dead. And, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a little upsetting, you know, because I'd actually been on Challenger while it was being built down at Rockwell. And uh, it was just, you know, it was, it, yep. it, it's an ugly memory. Yeah, I, I remember watching last thing on the Challenger. I had that on tape. Uh, I've got it somewhere. We used to record Sanford and Son on TBS, Superstation TBS. And in 86, CNN would do those headline news clips. And uh, I have that on VHS tape on uh, the day that it happened. Anyway, Patrick, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, getting back to, to Viking. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, especially younger people, take a lot for granted Yes. And even old people, older people forget what it was like. But you were talking about seeing these images coming in. And yeah. and, you know, the thing is, in 1976, there was no Internet uh, cable TV. Well, was, that's not entirely it, well, it, the, the, the beginnings of the Internet were out there. I mean, the, uh, there, uh, the, uh, the uh, Great Revolt had happened and the ARPANET had become the Internet. But people just weren't all that plugged into it. Nobody, uh, nobody, I mean, nobody had it. I, my, well, I had my, it in my house. And I'm alone. 
people are getting stupid and now there's proof. I'm Peter Serafine with another Liberty Minute. This year's spring edition of Intelligence Online reported on IQ tests of 18 to 60-year-olds. The online magazine has been doing this study for quite some time, and this year's report was the first time that the average IQ of Americans dropped. Usually, the average IQ went up three to five points every decade. This time it went down. Well, look at the age range, 18 to 60-year-olds. Anyone under 48 was educated entirely under the Federal Department of Education. Those who predate the Department of Education are aging out of the study, skewing the average. Do we really need any more evidence that government, especially the federal government, should not be involved in educating our young people? Instead of critical thinking, young people are being taught sexuality. Logic and reason have become political correctness. History is now critical race theory. This is starting to look a lot like the plot from the movie Idiocracy. And if you own a firearm, then you need carry inserts. Get the most affordable carry insurance on the market and save another 10% by using code LIGHTHOUSE at protectwithbear.com. Find more news and commentary at liberty-lighthouse.com until tomorrow. See this Pashem Parabellum. Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new Ease-Off drop and lift? What in the world is an Ease-Off drop and lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Ease off, LLC, 417-932-6419. You who turned and you ran. Oh, yeah. Wolves lived right from my hands. The beginnings of the internet were out there. I mean, the, uh, there. Uh, the, uh, the uh, Great Revolt had happened, and the ARPANET had become the internet. But people just weren't all that plugged into it. Nobody, uh, nobody. I mean, nobody had it. I, my, well, I had my, it in my, my house. 
my I mean, my father, he showed me what a modem was uh, like in the late 70s, and I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> Did you ever play that game with the acoustic modem where you jingle your keys uh, above it just to see what showed up on the computer screen? <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, modems back then, you're talking about what, 300 bytes? 300 baud, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, you, were, you wouldn't be seeing images. The point I was trying to make is uh, to, to even – not not just to be the first person to see the the image of uh, the Martian landscape, but just to see it in general. I mean, when were you going to see it? They, they if you were watching the TV at the right time, maybe you'd see it. Uh, and people didn't have very few people had VHS back then. I mean, a VHS really wasn't a thing until the 80s. So if you were watching the TV at the right time, uh, you might see it. Um, newspaper well you might have like a really grainy black and white image in a newspaper uh most oh no 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 we had color pictures coming in from mars and they were on the newspapers in fact it was kind of a funny story um uh it took a few days to get the color corrections right i mean there were these color test charts that were built into the spacecraft and uh uh, the first pictures that were released uh, had a slightly blue sky because somebody figured, well, you know, um, let's make it look Earth-like. And then they got the color corrections correct and revealed that Mars actually had a red sky. And the newspapers came back and said, what, is the next picture you're going to give us have a green sky? And so we got a lot of flack for that one. Yeah, but very very few papers published anything in color. I, I, I But... At any rate, and even if you did get something in color, it was on pulp paper, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, you might be – maybe you could get something in um, uh, Newsweek magazine, something half decent. But I, I remember – and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, but I remember um, some months later, uh, there was a nice picture in my high school. Well, I, I thought it was very nice, and I, so I, I stole it. And I brought it home <laughs> and my mother saw it and she was appalled. She said, so what that you, was you. <laughs> what are you doing with that picture? Because what would I be doing? What would it, what would somebody be doing with a picture of Mars? I mean, it just wasn't. How would you get it? And so she was she was mm-hmm. very angry. But I I uh, I was insistent that I just I found it. I found it. You know, <laughs> she well, yeah. actually, uh, I realize it's too late to share this with you, but all of the NASA facilities have an Office of Public Information, and if you send them a very nice letter, they will send you all kinds of stuff, you know, on, on glossy paper and, and high quality. And, you know, I, I had stuff from Lunar Orbiter and Surveyor and uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. Hey, I want to get back to one other thing. Yeah. Uh, Apollo. And the the moon landing, which which is uh, kind of controversial for whatever reason, I I wanted to just this is what I remember because I was a kid and I remember July 1969 setting up my um, all my stuffed animals around. a. We had a color TV, which we almost never had, but we had gotten a color TV that year. And it was a Magnavox, and it didn't work very well, and then we gave up on it. When, and my, my mother was worried that the color TV was spewing out radiation, and we were all going to get, like, um, turn into mutants or something. So, but well, it, all TVs, color or black and white, were producing x-rays, something we don't have to worry about with the current, uh, you know, flat screens and everything. 
And yeah. uh, we had a color TV, too, only because the lightning strike had killed our black and white set. Right. So anyway, I'd set up the, the, the stuffed animals around the TV to watch it with me. And I was re- really excited, like everybody was excited. And there was the 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 moon unit, and it was on – it was uh, – I guess it was the eagle, and the eagle had landed. Well, it was just sitting there. And, and the TV – I can't remember if – you know, we had the three networks. I don't remember which one I was watching, probably switching back and forth. I'm sure I was switching back and forth. But uh, what you were seeing, you, there's two things you were seeing. One is uh, was from a camera that was affixed to the the lander somewhere. Yeah. And it wasn't a very good. It, it, I don't know if there was something wrong with it, but it was it was grainy. I think it was black and white. But even if it wasn't black it and was white, definitely food, black and white. It was rather yeah. hastily put together. There had not been originally a plan to televise the moon landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the White House basically came on in and said, you will take a TV camera with you. So it was kind of a last minute project to put it together. And, and so. Bef- you, yeah, maybe we're seeing like the foot of the lander, maybe part part of the um, the ladder. It, it was just kind of a weird shot, and yeah. it wasn't much fun. But they kept switching back and forth. Then you'd see the moon lander kind of at a distance, and uh, it was much you know much better uh, quality shot, and there was color, and it had a word on it. And I remember asking my mom. Well, what's that word? She says simulation. I said, well, what's simulation? She says, oh, that's what it would look like if you were standing on the moon. Right. Yeah. And they, so- they, the, the networks were trying to illustrate what was going on, probably because that TV image from the actual camera on the moon was so terrible. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach, or a favorite song from the past, or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To read more about this amazing breakthrough and to order your Terahertz frequency want, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. 
Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject, from the funding behind the transgender movement to firsthand memoirs of World War II previously inaccessible to English-speaking audiences. We publish books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo. Whether you count yourself as a political dissident, student of history, connoisseur of philosophy, or enthusiast of exciting and thought-provoking fiction, you owe it to yourself to check out our catalog. With exclusive offerings like The Transgender Industrial Complex, Solzhenitsyn and the Right, The Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more, there's something for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out our catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com and use code RBNREADERS2023 for 10% off your order. That's RBNREADERS2023 at antelopehillpublishing.com. Memory, your lamplight is burning holes. Recover the damage, bring it all home. what it would look like if you were standing on the moon right yeah that, and so- they, they, the networks were trying to illustrate what was going on probably because that tv image from the actual camera on the moon was so terrible and uh, it really was kind of a hack job uh the uh, tv camera on the uh, lem uh, did not operate uh with the same scan rate and resolution as the tv standards either in europe which used pal at the time or the United States, which used NTSC, which stands for never twice the same color. And so all they did is they had a monitor set up showing the feed from the camera on the limb, and they just pointed other TV cameras at that monitor. And that's what you saw on you in your living room TVs. Okay. Yeah, it was really bad. And so, of course, there was a studio with a, uh, uh, a fake moon lander in it, right? Yeah. Of course there was. Uh, and, but, but yet, you know, I, I get, I get kind of, uh, frustrated with, with people who say, yeah, that was, there was, it was filmed in a studio. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, the simulation was, uh, it was, it was no secret. It said that right there on the screen simulation. That's where I learned the word simulation from. So I just thought I'd pick that up. Well, you know, um, uh, all of this nonsense that we're seeing on social media about the Apollo moon landings are, be, are, are fake, the Earth is flat, uh, chemtrails and, and stuff is deliberately planted to try and kookify social media and the Internet in the hopes that it will drive people back to the warm embrace of the government-controlled corporate media. It isn't really working. Uh, it's, it's, if nothing else, it's just kind of an annoyance. But the Apollo landing sites have all been imaged by other spacecraft from other nations, some of which are really not all that friendly to the United States. And uh, 
you know, they've confirmed the, the lower stage of the LEM is still there. Uh, you can still see the tracks from uh, the astronauts' footprints uh, or the, ro the uh, lunar rover. And uh, uh, the offset packages are there. And to this very day, uh, the laser-ranging retroreflectors still work and are still being used to take accurate measurements of the moon's position and velocity. Well, there you go. All, all right, Jeremy. So, what, what's next on the agenda? Well, we sort of uh, I wanted to touch on the activism a little bit more. It sounds like, Mike, you really got into truth activism um, investigating the murder of Vince Foster. Would that be yes. accurate? And Pat, yeah, that, that was it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was still kind of naive about the reality of our government. I mean, I knew. You know, I've been following the JFK assassination uh, after Jim Garrison's trial uh, when the assassination actually happened. Um, I guess I have the instincts of a librarian because I, I kept every magazine article about it. And I remember when Jim Garrison's uh, case came on out and said there's something funny about it. And I went back to this uh, old copy of uh, I think it was Life magazine and they uh, had this two page photo. Uh, taken by uh, James Altgen, and it shows the moment Kennedy grabs his throat from uh, the gunshot wound. And over on the left, you can see Lee Harvey Oswald standing in the doorway of the book depository, which means he couldn't have been up on the sixth floor firing the shots. Now, ever since then, any time that photo is shot, that left portion is cropped off. And... Uh, I really looked through that magazine with uh, suddenly open eyes and realized that, yeah, there had been a conspiracy, which was verified by the House Select Committee on Assassinations. And it was pretty obvious the media was in on it. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people are saying, wow, look what our government has turned into. And, you know, my realization is the government's always been this way. We just didn't know it. It took the arrival of social media and the Internet uh, to really start exposing just what our government was really all about. And uh, I think we're going through the same thing that the Soviet Union was going through just before its collapse, because concerned citizens in the Soviet Union set up a network of fax machines called the Samizdat. They didn't have computers, but they did have fax machines. And people would write articles, they'd put them in their fax machine, send it out to 10 numbers. The people who got those would send them out to another 10. And so it might take a couple of days, but these articles would spread all across Russia. And it led to uh, the people realizing that their government really uh, wasn't what they thought it had been. And, of course, with the disaster at Chernobyl and the government's attempt to cover that up, which failed miserably, uh, that kind of brought about the end of the Soviet Union. And I think the same thing is happening here now. And I saw an article the other day. Colonel Douglas uh, McGregor uh, is predicting this government isn't even going to last till next year's elections. And I kind of hope he's right. I think it's time to basically start over from scratch. Well, he's given it a lot of credit, there, not he? But no, there are people in the mainstream that, you know, up until recently that would say you were kooky if you questioned JFK or even the Vince Foster thing. But I mean, these things uh, are obvious when people go against this government, they get taken out. I was just the first suicide I remember watching on television was our Bud Dawyer. I don't know if I pronounced his name right. Bud Dwyer. Uh, our Pennsylvania Senate. Uh, he was. Yeah. Uh, trying to expose how government employees had overpaid taxes and get their money back. And uh, they ended up, you know, pulling a scam on, on him and he 
committed suicide. I didn't see it live. I saw it on Faces of Death. Unfortunately, my cousin rented those for me. But uh, that, that that image never got out of my mind. I but, actually uh, have uh, I have a recording of that in uh, my page on Vince Foster uh, to illustrate why there should have been blood splatter all over that white shirt sleeve in that photo that was released to the media. Exactly. That's what a, a legit suicide looks like. I mean, his, the blood just came out of his nose like a faucet. It was it was horrible. But uh, back to the activism, you know, you and Patrick, uh, like I said, are closer than, than I am with you guys. Patrick, you were a, a legit anti-war person from back in the 70s. I mean, before you ever hooked up with David Duke, you know, you were for Palestinian rights. As a matter of fact, you campaigned with Jesse Jackson, right? He was the only anti-Israel yeah. candidate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my um, as a as a child, I was on. I went to uh, Vietnam War protests with my mother. She was in Women's Strike for Peace, which was a an organization. So I w- I went on these. I mean, some of my earliest memories going on uh, uh, anti-war protests. And so I grew up that way. And um, yeah, Jesse Jackson. I mean, a lot of. I mean, Jesse Jackson in the seventies and in the nineties was kind of a you could call him, I guess, a a race what's the term a race hux hustler or whatever it is but in the 1980s if you look at the at uh the people who uh were invited to major party debates and uh i mean he was the one that the jewish power structure the zionist power structure really didn't like him and uh they they were always trying to uh undermine him he he had he had shaken hands with uh, Yasser Arafat. Actually, I think that was his wife's doing more than his. I think his wife uh, uh, got him into um, the, the Palestinian issue. But yeah, that's he. He was uh, relatively pro-Palestinian, and he uh, didn't think the Cold War was a good idea. And and I'm a foreign policy person and a peace person, so I worked on both of his campaigns in '84 and '88. So, Mike, like you don't really openly hit Jewish power like we do. I mean, you mentioned Zionism and, you know, Israel's aggression towards the Palestinians. But there's something that people that that would not be considered racist or anti-Semitic. There's something they notice about that. There's the elephant in the room. You know, we have the foreign uh, government that pretty much controls our Congress, APAC. Yes. You always sort of held this uh, critique of, of political Zionism. Um, yeah, I, I think I've talked before about uh, the uh, undue influence. Um, and uh, it's not just Israel. Israel's a big problem uh, controlling our country. Uh, but, you know, all, all governments seek to influence other governments. That's kind of a, a standard feature of geopolitics. Um, right now, I think my big worry is that Zelensky in Ukraine has been blackmailing Joe Biden uh, over the Burisma corruption scandal, and that's why Joe Biden is just taking, you know, billions of our tax dollars and shoving them over into Ukraine, sending all these weapons that the Russians are using for target practice, and, uh, you know, we're all paying for, for Biden's crimes. Hey, hey, I have I have a question, two questions, really. One is, um, would Biden even know if he was being blackmailed? I mean, does, does he have enough mental facult- faculties left? And then B, um, what what could the Ukrainians possibly say about him that really isn't out there already and being ignored by the media? 
Well, it's kind of interesting because at the same time the Burisma scandal is going public, we're starting to hear talk in both uh, the Pentagon and Congress about maybe it's time to start cutting back on aid to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, it's a contentious issue. Uh, it's cost us a huge amount of money. I know that Biden does not want to give up on Ukraine at least until after next year's election or until after he steps down. Uh, because he doesn't want to be 0 for 2 as a war president between the disaster in Afghanistan and the unfolding disaster in Ukraine. Uh, But there are uh, other people who are saying we have got to basically uh, uh, win in Ukraine in order to undo the damage of uh, uh, Afghanistan. And I remember, you know, when we lost in Vietnam, and uh, I, I think it's when we went into Iraq, uh, that George Bush said, you know, well, the, the dark memories of Vietnam have been erased or words to that effect here. So a lot of it is about saving face. And, uh, uh, you know, and of course, the defense contractors want the war to be permanent and forever. And I'm very alarmed by the fact uh, that the House has voted down a, uh, an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would have said, uh, you know, it would have reasserted congressional authority is required to go to war. And instead, uh, they're now saying that Article 5 is uh, controlling all future American wars, which means when NATO says we go to war, we're going to go to war and the American people have got nothing to say about it. Mm. Oh, by the way, I was actually very pro-botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. And for a couple of weeks, I stopped calling him fake President Biden and told, called him totally real President Biden, who's sharp as a tack. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's botched. They, he didn't get what he wanted to get out of it. But um, on the other hand, he we wound up with uh, not having a whole bunch of weapons that would just get sent over to Ukraine. Or perhaps, uh, you know, a, a lot of anti-insurgent weapons. Well, who are the insurgents in America? It, you know, the people at, at January 6th. So I was, I was actually pretty glad. And I, I didn't want um, six million translators, Afghan translators, to come here as refugees. Uh, obviously, there was the suicide bombing. But people were complaining about the bots withdrawal even before the suicide bombing. And there's not much you can do to to stop a suicide bombing. They're going to happen. So that was I'm just that was my take on it. I actually uh, favored uh, the botched withdrawal. And I would be very happy for uh, America to have botched withdrawals from uh, around the world, frankly. Well, you know, I would prefer they not be botched, but I'm in agreement with you. We were in Afghanistan way too long. And uh, we missed an opportunity uh, to take advantage of some of their mineral resources, which we're already hearing uh, stories of regret about that in this shortage of rare earth minerals. Um, but um, uh, again, we, we, we shouldn't have messed around with Afghanistan anyway. I mean, we, we went into Afghanistan, covertly helped the uh, Mujahideen uh, get the Soviet Union out of there. Uh, then the Taliban basically took over and for some reason we decided we were going to go in and take control of afghanistan that did not work out and uh, now we're in ukraine our military stockpiles are drawn down and still they're talking about a a larger war with russia potential war with china and uh, i like to talk about the four m's you have to have to go to war and that is money manufacturing 
manpower and moral authority. And our government doesn't have any of those. And if we get into a world war with Russia and China, we are going to lose. My, uh, my take on Afghanistan is it was eventually going to happen because with the advent of fentanyl, the poppy field sort of became irrelevant uh, to the pharmaceutical industrial complex. Uh, my That's overall take point. On, uh, the, the, my take on Ukraine then is, you know, who's going to benefit? I mean, there's all just a genocide of, of white Slavic people on both sides, uh, as well as BlackRock and um, coming in and rebuilding and getting all of those contracts. And just as usual, the, the, the usual, uh, as you say, the bankers benefit from all of that. Patrick. Well, there there's that. And there's also, of course, the agenda of putting nuclear-capable missiles right on Russia's doorstep, which is a mistake that we made once before when we put nuclear missiles into Turkey aimed at Moscow, which triggered the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. I had a, a professor in the 80s who was from Afghanistan, and he said, you know, we are not very good at many things, but we are very good at fighting. And... You know, it turns out to be true. These are people who who really don't have a whole lot to lose and living, you know, they're um, only a couple generations, if that, from nomadic lifestyle to a large extent. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was just ridiculous to think that, that the United States was going to be able to, to pacify that country and mold it into whatever it wanted. It was, the United States just has to get out of this whole business. And honestly, you know, Mike, you, you mentioned on your show, I guess today or, or yesterday, uh, uh, that, that, I'm sorry, that, that the United States um, has like three futures, one of them being uh, a, a Soviet Union style dismemberment. And you, Jeremy and my audience knows, I mean, I, I've, for the past few years, I keep referring back to Soviet history, late Soviet history, because there really are an awful lot of uh, similarities. There's some differences, but there's a lot of similarities, and and um, we very we very well may have some sort of uh, dismemberment, dissolution, just like uh, the, the Soviet Union had in 1991. Well, and as the cities become increasingly more third world and begin to, to collapse, and as the federal government becomes even more irrelevant in the eyes of the American populace as well as the world, um, you know, you're going to have white flight, basically. Not only white people, a lot of good people of all races are retreating into the rural areas, and there's eventually, unfortunately, going to be a standoff, right? Sometimes when your hopes have all been shattered, there's no way to turn. You wonder how you keep going. Think of all the things that really matter and the chances you burn. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. 
At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Do you or someone you know suffer from chest pain, blood pressure, cholesterol, or irregular heartbeat? Are you looking for a more natural solution to overcome these health challenges? You hear the ads all the time. If this stuff's so good, why doesn't my doctor prescribe it? That's easy. Doctors are not trained in natural medicine. Extendivite Heart Tonic does want you to be as healthy as you can be. And it really works. Take Extendivite for six months and your doctor will say, I don't know what you're doing, but don't stop. It's working for you. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. white basically not only white people a lot of good people of all races are retreating into the rural areas and there's eventually unfortunately going to be a standoff i, I don't know mike can you speak to that you, you spoke of the your fear of, of race war on your show before well i think i used the term civil war it could be a race war it could be between conservatives and liberals uh you know the government is trying to preserve itself by, uh, you know, uh, fanning divisions between different segments of our um, society. Uh, and, uh, you know, my greatest fear is a world war. Um, but uh, uh, a civil war is definitely uh, in our future if we don't collapse. 
I think I would I've compared it uh, to South the, the white farmers in South Africa, how they were sort of pushed back, uh, you know, into their into their farms and had to actually fight for their territory and for their lives in many cases. But Patrick, um, what do you got? Well, we are uh, about three or four minutes from the end of the show. Okay. Um, right. Well, I'm just glad that we we solved the cicada question. Um, you know, because <laughs> cicadas have a lot of benefits. I mean, they're not dangerous. They're a valuable food source for birds and other predators, and they can actually aerate your lawn. Uh, and are they not bugs? If you prick them, do they not chirp? But <laughs> do they not bleed green? <laughs> I think they're like funny. A- I, th- I think they're really, really funny. Um, I know they're loud. They're extremely loud. But whereas um, humanity has just spread out and it's uh, taken away the environments from so many animals, the cicadas, they just, they you know, they go down, they burrow down in uh, however many feet down and chill for, in some cases, 17 years and then come up and they just party and they don't care mm-hmm. about it. They just, they don't care. And it's... Uh, it- Skater don't care, and they just party, and they're loud. And um, I remember once hitchhiking through Japan, and I was going to take the boat to Korea, and I'd gotten to the port about six or seven hours early. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to go to a park and sleep. Well, it was a hot summer day, but I thought, I'm just going to go to the park and sleep. So I go to the park, and the cicadas were so loud. They were just so loud. And I had to well, laugh. I couldn't sleep, but I had to laugh. It's it's not all cicadas. They're not all like that, Patrick. It's you know we got We can't just stereotype. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. Uh, this is continued on part two on uh, National View at one p.m. on Wednesday. Let's take a break and uh, y'all stay classy. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. 
Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.